Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. We're beginning a new series tonight called Advancing Through Adversity because, folks, the straight line to God's will and destiny for our life does not exist. We often go through difficulties, we go through trials on the way to what God's will and purpose is for our life, and we need to know how to not allow those adversities to set us back or destroy us, but we can advance, we can grow through that adversity. Today's message is titled, Detours, Delays, and Destiny. Detours, delays, and destiny. And of course, this whole series is based on the life of Joseph in the Old Testament, the book of Genesis. But have you ever wondered, God, is my experience unique? Does anyone feel the struggles or endure the tests that I have to pass through? You know, sometimes you look at people around you on Sunday and they're all praising God and you're like, hey, how are you doing? And, and, and they're, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored of God. And you're like, am I missing something? Is everybody else got this perfect life? And I, have you ever thought that? And, and I'm going through, you know, all this stuff. Uh, and, and you went, question, you know, um, do other people go through the same things, endure the same struggles that I do? And often the best answer to those questions is found in the Bible. In the pages of Scripture, we find the stories of hundreds of men and women, good and bad, faith, faithful and faithless, and, and, and they represent to us a real-life picture of how we all go through trials, we all go through struggles, we all deal with difficulties. In Romans 15, 4, it says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. So when you read all the pages of scripture, it may have happened 2,000 or 3,000 or 4,000 years ago, but there's a message there for us, because you know what? Circumstances and society may have changed, but people and, and life challenges and trials, they pretty much remain the same, right? We still go through and share the same issues that people dealt with many, many years ago. Tonight, I want to begin a series on the life of Joseph because his story is rich with spiritual lessons for us. It's rich with hope that no matter what you're going through, no matter how difficult things may seem, God is going to come through. Amen? That's the hope. And it's rich with explanations of why sometimes in our life, God has a destiny for us and suddenly we experience a detour or, or we experience a, de a delay and it also presents to us a model of godliness even under pressure. God deemed Joseph's story so important that it actually spans 13 chapters of Genesis. It is the longest narrative or life story that you find in the Bible, of course, outside of Jesus. But like us, Joseph lived most of his life in a culture that is hostile to his faith, to his religion. And like many, he was raised in a family full of dysfunction. I mean, his own brothers wanted to murder him. One of them had to step in and stop them and the, the, the alternative was sell him into slavery. Tell me that's not a dysfunctional family, amen? At least none of you, I don't think, have been sold into slavery by a sibling. But anyway, <laughs> but uh, uh, like all of us, Joseph also had moments of triumph, and he also had low times when it seemed, God, have you forgotten me? And through it all, his devotion to God and his personal integrity remained intact. And he's a model for Christians of all time. But I think he's a model for Christians today 
that is particularly appropriate for the situations we face because we desperately need models of integrity and devotion today because you don't see that. You don't even see it among Christians. You don't even see it among pastors. You know, recently there's been a big debacle in the whole Hillsong movement and sexual scandal and pastors falling and everything. We need more models of devotion and integrity uh, today and Joseph certainly stands as one for us. Our culture has sunk deep in a mire of sin and mediocrity and it has even infiltrated the church so that much of the church has become compromised with the ways of the world but hope is not lost I believe that the people of God still have a special purpose and if we are courageous in faith men and women who will live with integrity and devotion to God I believe that we can usher in a revival and prepare the world for the second coming of Jesus Christ Amen. And regardless of the eminent judgment of unrepentant humankind as prophesied in scripture, as men and women of faith, we can be sustained by the promise of eternal life in the presence of God that is undeniably ours through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's look at the story of a man who is a model, an example for us, a man with whom I believe that we can identify and whose experiences God can use to grow us, to instruct us. Turn to Genesis 37, but before we get to this passage, I want to fill you in on some background. The story of God's covenant people begins with Abraham, right? Abraham is the father of faith, the father of the Jews, and, and God called Abraham about 1,900 years before Christ birth and God calls Abraham to faith and promises that his descendants will be blessed and they will be a blessing to all mankind and his faith is seriously tested as Abraham reaches a hundred years old and his wife is 90 and still yet 25 years have passed since God gave him a promise and still yet he has no child and then miraculously uh, Sarah conceives and Abraham uh, and they have a child named Isaac and Abraham ends up living to about 175 years old his son Isaac carries on his father's faith and he has twin sons that become very significant in the plan of God as well he has Jacob and Esau and of course they had you know some family dysfunction as well if you read the story we don't have time to get into it but Esau is wild and rebellious and he doesn't live in God's favor and Jacob even though he has a rough start with lies and deception he ends up becoming a man of faith through whom God fulfills his promise and he eventually fathers 12 sons who become the fathers of the 12 tribes of Israel one of those sons is Joseph and Joseph was one of just two sons that were born to Jacob's favorite wife, Rachel. Because remember, in the Old Testament, it was a part of the culture that they had multiple wives. doesn't mean it was God's plan, but the Bible says that God winked at or overlooked certain things back then because there was not a full understanding. And so, um, you know, he, his re revelation was progressive, and through time, he made his will clearer and clearer in respect to certain things such as marriage. But anyway... Remember, Jacob wanted to, to marry Rachel because she was the beautiful younger sister of his uncle. But his uncle pulled a fast one on the wedding night and put a veil on the older ugly sister and passed her off uh, on the wedding. And Jacob didn't realize it until the wedding night when he opens his eyes and says, Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> what has happened here? But uh, anyway, um, he continues working seven more years um, uh, for 
the hand of the younger sister that he loved, which was Rachel. So uh, Leah, the older, uglier sister, she had a bunch of kids, but Rachel was barren. But finally, uh, I'm kind of paraphrasing the story for you, but you can go back and you can read it. Finally, Rachel has two sons. She has Joseph and Benjamin. And Joseph, because it was the firstborn of the wife that he truly loved, became his favorite. And so um, some of his brothers were almost adults by the time Joseph was born. And, you know, uh, in, in families, there's always sibling rivalry. And you, the more brothers and sisters you have, the more opportunity there is um, for, for conflict. And especially so because everybody knew Joseph was dad's favorite. So much so that the other boys have to work out in the field and Joseph gets to stay home with dad. And dad buys Joseph a, a designer robe, you know, like a designer suit, you know, the coat of many colors. So he stands out from the other brothers. And dad sends him out in the field to check on the other brothers to make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Can you imagine that? The younger favorite brother is checking on the older brother. That had to breed a lot of resentment. And, and then on top of it, he enjoyed the rich blessing of God that flowed into his life that was being lived in faith and devotion to God. And then, uh, of course, we know he gets into the mess with his brothers. Let's look on the opening lines of Joseph's story in Genesis 37. We're going to read verses 2 through 11. This is the account of Jacob and his family when Joseph was 17 years old. He often tended his father's flock. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wife, Bilhat and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. So kind of like a little tattletale there. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to them. The jealousy just seethed in them so they couldn't even say a kind word to him. One night Joseph had a dream and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine that went over like a lead balloon with them his brothers responded so you think you will be our king do you do you actually think you're going to reign over us and they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them soon Joseph had another dream and again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I've had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and 11 stars. How many brothers does he have? 11. The sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. He realized there might be something more to the dream. But, but from his youth, we see that God gave two dreams to Joseph, revealing his divine destiny, that God was going to raise him up to a position of leadership where he he would have power and authority to be the instrument of God's deliverance for his family and the nation of Israel and many others, which would be further revealed later on. But before that destiny could be realized, Joseph had to endure great testing along the way. As Christians, we each have a destiny that God has for our life. 
God has a plan and a purpose for each one of our lives. Of course, we know our eternal destiny is ultimately to go and live with God in his presence forever. But here on earth, we have an earthly destiny as well. God has a plan for each of our lives here on earth. And if not, he would have just taken us to heaven the moment we got saved. But he's left us here because he has a plan and a purpose for us. And it's not just to advance our career or to collect a paycheck or to build a good 401k and pay our bills and enjoy our weekend. No, God has a destiny for your life. He has a divine purpose for your life. However, the path to that destiny is generally not a straight line or a smooth road. God's destiny for our lives is often advanced through adversity for the purpose of maturing us and equipping us for his will, for his purpose. And that was certainly true of Joseph as well. And like Joseph, by faith, we need to see the hand of God at work in our hardships. Sometimes we just think when we go through hardship, oh, the devil's been attacking me. I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. And quite frankly, it, it probably is the devil that brought that difficulty into your life. But God uses whatever the devil does for his purpose and his glory. So we need to start looking at how God's hand is at work in our hardship. And as we look at the beginning of Joseph's story, it reveals to us several important truths about fulfilling our God-ordained destiny. The first thing we see is that divine destiny will differentiate you. It will set you apart. And we need to dare to be different. When you read the story of his life, it's evident that Joseph was different in his devotion to God and in his character. Even his clothing was different. He wore a special robe that his father had given him. Let me tell you something. The world wants to press you into its mold. It wants you to conform to its lifestyle, to its way of thinking, to its way of being. But Paul tells us in Romans 2, uh, 2 he says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Or some versions actually say, don't be pressed into the mold of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. If you're going to serve God, you're going to have to will, be willing to be different. You're going to have to be willing to not uh, go along with what everybody else is doing, not think like everybody else, not dress like everybody else, not talk like everybody else, not act like everybody else, but you have to be willing to stand apart in godliness, in holiness, in integrity. You have to be willing to be different. So the Bible warns us against conformity. God has called us to be different. Not only has he created each one of us different or uniquely, making each one of us unique for his purpose, but he calls us to live differently. So don't try to fit in to anyone else's mold. The only person that we should seek to please is the Lord. We need to live for an audience of one. If we do that, then we are living the right kind of life that is pleasing and acceptable unto God. So we've got to determine not to seek the approval of people, but to live only for God's approval. He made you, 
He loves you. He died for you so that you could be saved, and he's coming back for you. No human being, no society, no political group, no politician, no cause has ever done that. No one other than Jesus has ever died for you. No one other than Jesus has ever saved you or healed you, and no one other than Jesus is coming back for you to take you to heaven. Amen? And for that reason, he alone is deserving of the utmost of our love and devotion of our whole life. So dare to live to please him only. Dare to stand for what is right. Dare to live for his purpose, and it will set you apart as different. So dare to be different. And divine destiny will differentiate you with divine favor. We know Jesus came to earth with a divine destiny, right? And the scripture says that as he grew, he increased in favor with God and man. Favor is the blessing of God. Favor is the blessing of God that provides, protects, promotes, and opens doors. Favor can accomplish in an instant what years of striving and effort cannot do. Amen? God's hand in Joseph's life brought him in favor with his father so that he became his father's favorite. Later, it would bring him in favor with Potiphar, his slave owner. And later, he would be brought in favor with the jailer. And everywhere he went, the favor of God was evident, so he got promoted. Potiphar promoted him to manager over all of his business affairs. The jailer promoted him to trustee to oversee all of the prison affairs. And later, he would have favor with Pharaoh and be promoted from prison to prime minister. So God's favor was on Joseph's life. And God's hand blessed him wherever he went. And eventually, it was divine favor that opened the door for him to stand before Pharaoh and get promoted to prime minister of Egypt. When you devote yourself to live for God alone, when you dedicate yourself to live for what is right and to fulfill God's plan and purpose for your life, you will live under the favor of God in whatever circumstances you face because he faced some of the most adverse circumstances, whether it was being sold as a slave uh, by his brothers, falsely accused uh, of rape, falsely imprisoned, uh, whatever the circumstance, he went through some hard stuff but God's hand was upon him and God's favor was moving him on a path towards his destiny. Your circumstances cannot stop God's plan for your life. Amen? The only thing that can stop it is if you stop believing and step out of God's will. But your circumstances cannot stop God's plan. Having the favor of God does not mean that you won't have difficulties. And we see that evidently in Joseph's life. But having the favor of God means that you can trust that God is working in all things, even the hard things, even the bad things of life. God is working in all things for your good because you love him and you are called according to his purpose, according to his purpose. Walking in the favor of God means that you are in the living in the secret place of the Most High. 
under the shadow of the Almighty. So you don't need to be afraid of any threat. You don't need to be afraid of any enemy. You don't need to be afraid of any trial because God will be with you. God will protect you. God will hear your cry and God will rescue you. Hallelujah. Walking in the favor of God means that even in the darkest and most difficult situations of life, the peace of God and the blessing of God will be evident in you. And people will be able to look at you and they'll say, wow, there is something different. Look how they're going through that trial. Look how they're going through that difficulty. And having the favor of God on your life, you will be able to thrive and prosper even in the midst of trial. Amen? Even in the midst of trial, God's hand on you will enable you to thrive and prosper. Now, divine destiny also differentiates you to be targeted. It differentiates you to be targeted. When you understand that you have been marked by God for destiny, you will live with divine purpose, a higher purpose, a higher pursuit than others, and others won't understand. In fact, like Joseph's brothers, it may even cause you to be hated. Joseph's brothers were jealous because he was his father's favorite. They hated him for the dreams that God had given him, and they could see the favor of God on his life, and it made them envious and angry. Now, let's settle it right now that when you are truly living for God, there will always be haters. There will always be haters. They just don't understand your commitment to God. They think you're crazy. They think you're a fanatic. They just, they just are going to be against you because your devotion to God puts a target on your back. Jesus said, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. Now, I just add a caveat. They don't hate us because we are obnoxious. We should not be obnoxious. We should be like Jesus loving, gracious, kind. So it's not because we're being obnoxious, but it's because we stand for something that is in contrast and in opposition to this world. And so this world will hate us just like it hated Jesus. The world is under the dominion of Satan, and for that reason, it is opposed to God, and it is opposed to all who truly love and live for him. So we have to be willing to be hated if we're going to walk in God's destiny. In fact, as one minister rightly states, if the world loves you, then you should question your relationship with Jesus Christ. I just want to let that settle in. I'm going to say it again. If the world loves you, then you should question your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if the world loves us, then it means that we're living like the world that we're living the same way they do. And the reason the world hates those that are truly living for Christ is because the world is under the dominion of Satan. And the very name Satan means adversary, which means opponent. It means he is against us. Satan and his demons are continually at work in the world to oppose God, to oppose God's purposes, and to oppose God's people. And Satan will do anything to destroy our testimony, testimony, to hinder us from fulfilling God's plan, and to stop us in our Christian journey. So behind the hateful and murderous spirit of Joseph's brothers that sought to kill him, the enemy was working to destroy Joseph, 
to stop him from fulfilling the destiny that God had for his life. Because from the Jewish people who his positioning as Pharaoh's prime minister was intended to save the Jewish nation from which Christ would come. It was Satan's attempt to destroy Joseph and stop Joseph was an attempt to stop God's plan of salvation. So when you have destiny on your life, Satan is going to try to stop you because it's not just about you. It's about what God desires to do through you. And that's what Satan is trying to stop. So while the enemy was at work behind all of the hardships and suffering that Joseph endured, whatever he meant for evil, what does the Bible say? God turned it around for good. That's what Joseph said in the end to his brothers, right? When he finally revealed himself, he said, what you meant for evil, God turned it around for good. So folks, Satan is going to come after you. He's going to target you. He's going to try to destroy you. But whatever he means for evil, if you will trust God, God is going to somehow turn it around for your good. He's going to turn it around to use it to advance you in his destiny for your life. That's exactly what he did with Joseph. Uh, and that's the confidence that we can have when we have trusted ourselves into the hands of God. Satan may turn loose on you the entire arsenal of hell, but no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, the second principle I want us to see is divine destiny, though detoured and delayed, will be fulfilled if you remain faithful. Divine destiny, though detoured and delayed, will be fulfilled if you remain faithful. Detours and delays are a part of God's design to get us to our destiny. Sometimes when a detour comes along or, or a delay happens, we're like, God, what happened? How could you let this take place? And God is, God is not up there wringing his, his hands. I'm like, oh my goodness, I didn't see that one coming. You know, that, that's a part of him getting you to where he wants you to be. Amen. When God gives us a dream, when God gives us a calling, we often think it's going to be a straight and speedy path to its fulfillment, but that's not generally how God works. Joseph experienced many detours and a 13-year delay. Now, when he first got the dream, he went out and told his brothers right away because he probably thought, this is going to happen real soon, and you need to know, you need to bow down to me. He didn't know what was laying ahead. And that there would be 13 years of delay and many detours along the path. He would be thrown into a pit, almost murdered by his brothers, sold as a slave and carried from Canaan to Egypt, falsely accused of rape, thrown into prison unjustly. He didn't know he was going to go through all of that. And he's not the only one in scripture that experienced detours and delays. Remember Moses? after trying to take his, his destiny into his own hands, killing an Egyptian, remember? He said he thought that they would have understood that he was supposed to be Israel's deliverer. I don't know what he thought, that he was going to kill each Egyptian one at a time. I don't know. But he tried to advance God's destiny his way as a younger man. And he ends up having to flee for his life. And he's in the backside of the desert for 40 years where he becomes a shepherd. And it seems like he is moving further away from God's destiny for his life to be their deliverer, to be Israel's deliverer. But you know what? The desert was shaping Moses. 
for one thing. When he killed that Egyptian, he was trying to fulfill God's destiny in his own strength. Forty years later, when God calls him, he's like, who, me? I can't do that. What happened? He was humbled. He was humbled. And now he realizes he does not have the ability in himself to do what God, God is calling him to do. So the desert played a critical role in preparing Moses for the, for the destiny that God had for him. It was a seemingly long way from the palace of Egypt and a long way from the calling of God for his life. But it was there in the desert that he would experience a burning bush and the call of God to go back to Egypt and deliver his people. Moses is not the only one either. Abraham experienced detours and delays. God gave him a promise. 25 years later is when God shows up to fulfill that promise. And, and, and those detours and delays were a part of God's design to get Joseph, to get Moses, to get Abraham to the place of the fulfillment of the destiny that God had for them. In the same way, we often experience detours and destiny as a part of God's design to get us to where he is taking us so we can fulfill the purpose that he has for our life. So don't let a detour or a delay come and knock you off your feet and cause you to abandon your faith. Instead, say, God, I know that my life is in your hands. I've given you complete control. So this delay or this detour must be a part of your design. So help me to see your hand and understand what you are doing in the midst of this trial. Detours and delays develop us for God's destiny. Sometimes we think we are ready for our destiny, but the truth is that we're not really prepared to handle it. Joseph was 17 years old when he received two dreams of God revealing his destiny to be a great leader that even his parents and brothers would bow down to. And we see that he impetuously and unwisely runs out and shares the dream with his brothers and then his parents thinking, oh, they're going to be so happy for me. They're going to be so happy that they have to bow down to me. He just didn't have the maturity to handle what God was showing him. And it's possible that there was some youthful arrogance involved in his eagerness to share his vision. But certainly, being sold into slavery humbled him. Being placed in situations where he had no control deepened his dependency on God. Being sold into slavery in Egypt where he spent 13 years enabled him also to learn the language, the culture, and the government of Egypt because it was in Egypt that God would fulfill his destiny. He probably thought his destiny was going to be filled back in Canaan, but it wasn't. It was going to be fulfilled in Egypt, and so God had to prepare him in, in the culture, in the language, in the government of Egypt. God allowed him to be falsely accused and imprisoned to develop his character and shape him to be a better leader. Because in those circumstances, he had to choose to stand in integrity. Because, you know, the real revealer of our character is not when things are going well. The real revealer of our character is when we are under pressure. Are we going to stand and do the right thing 
Or are we going to choose to step out of God's will? Are we going to choose a shortcut? Are we going to choose a fleshly or sinful way? So the real develop of our character is when, when the pressure is on, will we choose to stand in integrity? And we see that Joseph each time chose to stand in integrity, and that was preparing him to be a righteous leader. It was shaping his character. Because, you know, it was an official's wife that accused Joseph, right? And Joseph was placed in a royal prison. And because he was in a royal prison and interpreted the dreams of two of Pharaoh's servants, and one of those servants, according to Joseph's interpretation, was restored to Pharaoh's service, forgot about Joseph until Pharaoh had a dream that he couldn't interpret. And Pharaoh's servant said, hey, you know, I met this guy in prison. And he interpreted my dream, and it happened just like he said. Maybe he can interpret your dream too. And so Pharaoh calls for him, and of course, he's able to tell Pharaoh the dream, interpret the dream, and that's how he made that connection to be uh, uh, promoted to the second highest leader in Egypt. So even though it seemed like things were going from bad to worse because, you know, he's, he's being sold as a slave and then he's being imprisoned and everything, that was really God's hand positioning him for the fulfillment of his destiny. God's ways are so much higher than our ways. God's thoughts so much higher than our thoughts, amen? We, 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 we look at the hardships and difficulties and we think they're moving us away from our destiny when God is actually using them to move us toward our destiny. Each seeming detour was God's design to position and prepare Joseph for his destiny. And the same is true in our life as well. The path that God has for each of us is different, and it will no doubt include many detours and many delays, but we need to trust, as G G Joseph did, that God is preparing and positioning us for the future he has planned for us. Too often we look at somebody that is walking in their destiny, and we're like, why has God forgotten about me? How come I'm not? We don't know what that person went through to get to that place. We have all had our difficulties, our detours, and our delays. But if we remain faithful to God, God is working in all of those things to move us and position us to the place where his destiny can be fulfilled. So don't get discouraged when the detours and delays come. Don't get discouraged when things seem to go from bad to worse. Joseph went from the pit to slavery to prison. God, things seemed to be going downhill. Things were going from bad to worse. But the truth is, God's hand was at work all along the way, even in the most trying circumstances of Joseph's life. Detours and delays can be difficult. And there may be times when it seems like things are, are just out of control, that they're going from bad to worse. But through the eyes of faith, we need to see the hand of God at work and trust that even the detours are a part of God's design to position and prepare us for the destiny that he has for our lives. Detours may take us off the route that we had planned for our life. The route we had planned for our life. But when we have trusted our lives to God, the detour is his plan for our life. 
Often when we're driving, you know, we come up on obstacles, right? There may be road construction. There may be uh, a traffic uh, backup. There may be an accident. And oftentimes we have to do what? Take a detour to get around it, to get to where we need to be going. And now that we have real-time GPS, right, that's wonderful. It can tell you, oh, there's a speed trap up ahead. Not that any of us would speed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Um, there's a speed trap up ahead. There's an accident up ahead. Take this exit. Well, isn't that wonderful that it can warn you off of, uh, of all of these things and guide us to an alternate route? Well, the wonderful thing is that God guides by his spirit, and he guards us along life's journey. And as we trust our lives into his hands, we can be confident that he will get us safely to our destiny. But we must determine by faith to never give up and never to compromise. We must by faith commit ourselves to serve God and be faithful to him no matter the circumstances. Would you bow your heads with me and would you just take a moment? Would you just tell God, I want to walk in your destiny for my life. And I want to trust you no matter what difficulty, no matter what detour, no matter what delay comes. You have a conversation with God right now and make that commitment to him. Heavenly Father, we just come before you right now, Lord God, and we are so very grateful to you that you have a divine destiny for each and every person in your kingdom. And Father, we thank you that you already have a plan. You have already charted a course that course may take us out of the path that we have planned for our life. But if we trust you, those detours and delays are a part of your plan to get us to your destiny. Father, I pray right now that each and every one of us would be strengthened and encouraged to stand in faith and in commitment, Lord God, to be unwavering in our pursuit of you so that no matter the circumstances, Lord God, that we will hold fast to you, that we will continue to walk in faith and that we can fulfill the destiny and the calling that you have for each of our lives. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. We love you. Have a wonderful rest of your week and we will see you on Sunday. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry? You can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you. And we hope you will join us again.